Hey tribe, it's Nixie Marie. You're listening to New Earth, a podcast where each week we explore the relationship between spirituality and sustainability and how these topics play an important role in the evolution of humankind. Together, we aim to remember our connection with Mother Nature to heal ourselves and save our planet. Welcome back to New Earth. We have arrived. We are here. We are anchoring in this beautiful world of magic, eco-consciousness, sustainability, spirituality, all the things that make us unconditionally in love with life. I am your host, Nixie Marie. If you're new to the show, welcome. So happy to have you here on this journey with me. We are celebrating this month because it is our five-year anniversary of podcasting. And at least my five-year anniversary and this podcast has been alive and fruitful and growing and growing for five years. And I think that that is quite an accomplishment. So congratulations if you've been here since the very beginning. Um, If you're just joining us, welcome to New Earth. This is the frequency of your choice today because you're here and we're here together on this journey. I hope you guys have had a wonderful January. I love January for the soul essence that it sort of brings us to an inner space. It's a time to plan, get ready for, you know, the next 11 months of a new year. And it really often feels like January is sort of this opportunity to have a blank canvas and create something entirely new. Um, maybe refresh on old ideas, projects, and things that have really been something that our heart has been desiring. And, you know, I really think with our new world, we are really seeing such a big opportunity to rise up into our our greatest and grandest versions of ourselves. And with that, I think January is a great time to do so. So if you guys joined me over on my recent masterclass feng shui forecast for 2022 year of the tiger, it was so much fun. Thank you all for being there. You made it the best. And I feel like, again, this year of the tiger is just going to be a very beautiful year of building our confidence, you know, really being an embodiment of what this new earth really looks like and feels like and is. So if you missed it, though, however, you can purchase the recording and also with that recording will come a step-by-step PDF guide on how to feng shui your space for for 2022. Every year in feng shui, we shift a new energy is created. So we want to make sure that we are working with the new energies at play and making sure that we're getting rid of, clearing the clutter, doing a big, you know, overhaul of things that aren't serving us anymore. And this guide has a a little bit of worksheets inside that's going to help you set your intentions, your goals, and really get clear on what it is that you are wanting to create this year and how you can align your space to help support you do all the magic. So head on over to my website, nixiemarie.com, N-I-X-I-E, Marie. And you can go ahead and purchase the recording. And if you want to just go to the show notes, the link will also be in there. And I hope that you guys enjoy it. It's so much fun. And I love being able to tap into the new energies. 
I hope that this month really assists you and prepares you for what is ahead. We are still going to be exploring, just like we did with Mimi on this last episode, we discussed, you know, the forecast from the stars. What is astrology telling us for this new year? If you haven't listened to that episode, I invite you to go back, listen to what the astral insights will be for the year because there is a budding theme and that theme is around money and not necessarily just money as in its paper, but money as in our relationship to money, our story with money. And boy, let me tell you all, I have been on a journey for many years <laughs> reprogramming and creating a new relationship with money. So these next few episodes that we have are going to help support you do just that. We have the lovely Jessie Johnson on the show today. She is in, an incredible powerhouse, a master sales and success coach. She has been specializing in helping spiritual entrepreneurs, maybe like yourself, build seven-figure businesses. And she, you know, comes from a background of teaching math in New York City public schools. So she came to a place in her life where she was very frustrated by bureaucracy and she founded her own personal development company to build and grow and really tap into the true nature of wealth. No coincidence, she was a math teacher. She knows her numbers. She knows how to play the game. And so she built her current business into seven figures in just two years, you guys. She has, she, like I said, she's a powerhouse. So she's now teaching sales as a spiritual practice. No compromise, no self-sacrifice, no mediocrity to people in her circle and other spiritual entrepreneurs alike. So today on the show, we go into her background, what she did as a math teacher, how she elevated her class to get into a higher class because she grew up around systems of poverty. So we discussed dismantling the systems of poverty, letting your desire really guide you to help you create millions in your life and impact millions in your life and getting into the relationship with your number. And she goes into this very deep. Like I said, she's a numbers woman. So she's very good about understanding numbers and how everything really aligns to the soul of your business. So uh, money is your guide. She's going to be our guide today, guiding us to creating a new economy where money is abundant and, pr and fruitful for all beings on this planet. So let's welcome the lovely Jesse Johnson onto the show. Hello, everyone, my fellow Earthlings. Welcome back to the podcast. I am sitting with a lovely woman here. We are going to dive into a very fun conversation, I believe, today, something we've been recently exploring on the podcast. I have Jesse Johnson with me on the show. Hello, Jesse. Welcome to New Earth Podcast. Thanks so much, Nixie. It's awesome to be here. As always, I say, I'm just pumped to connect with people around the world and hear about what they're up to, how they've radically changed their lives, or they're creating change on the planet. So this is one of my favorite jams to do, and I'm, I'm really happy that you're here, and I think that our listeners are going to be super psyched to hear about your journey, your story. I've kind of been diving into a little bit today. So before we get into all of that juiciness, I would love to ask you, you said you're from Sedona, so I can't wait for you to answer this question, but how do you connect to the land that you live on or where you are currently right now? 
Mm-hmm. So I, I, I love this question. At the moment, it feels so easy. We moved to Sedona just about a month ago. This is very wow. new. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, I'm used to living for the last at least 20 years I've lived in either New York or LA. I love the city. I love the urban landscape. I also in LA really loved the ocean. We lived right on the ocean for, for three years. And I don't think I realized how, how much the city was affecting my, I want to say like nervous system, but I'm not even sure that that's what it is. That makes sense. But I don't know if like, I have no science to talk about this. It's just an experience. (laughs) I, I don't, I like don't fight with my husband anymore. Mm. And I really believe it's because we are less bombarded by unwanted energy and more nourished and filled with the essential energy of the earth. Um, and it's, it's at the same time, you know, Sedona's, we got these vortexes, it's pretty provocative here. Like Sedona's not, it's not for the faint of heart, but I, I just in the last couple of days have been feeling like, wow, I'm like, oh, I feel so held here. Um, I feel so calmed here, recalibrated. Mm. Yeah. So, and the, and the, the, I mean, this is all context for your question, but the actual answer to your question is really just like breathing, <laughs> going outside, looking, right. It's very sensory putting my feet on the earth. My husband, since we moved here has gotten completely crazy about water and earth, earthing shoes and electromagnetic oh, yeah. fields. And like, you know, yeah, just like he's earth runner shoes and all yeah. this. Yeah. So I am observing that in him. That's kind of calling me to a higher standard, even though I'm not not geeking out quite at that level yet. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, Sedona is a very magical place. I've been there once a couple years mm-hmm. ago, and I was actually on a family vacation. So my my idea of Sedona and what I wanted to do was a little bit more on the woo-woo side for sure than my fiance's family but they still kind of like we we made it work and Mm -hmm. I think the the most spiritual experiences that I had were on the land you know I didn't have to go to a metaphysical shop there it was almost like not needed (laughs) you know I didn't need to go get a massage I really didn't need to dive into that because the potency of the vortexes and the energy so insane we went to shaman's cave have you been there yet Mm -mm. okay this this hike (laughs) You have to like drive. You got to rent a Jeep or something because ah. you can like walk there and it's kind of, it's, we had our Jeep with us, so it was easy to get to, mm-hmm. but it's so, they, it was so potent and, and, and quiet and there was no one else there and we made love in the cave and it was awesome. Um, so but Sedona is amazing. And I know there's a lot of listeners actually that have been there cause we've, we've had several people from Sedona on the show and, mm. um, I mean, talk about being able to connect to the earth. Like, that's incredible. And I'm sure it really supports you in your work. And you kind of nailed it on the head with being in L.A. That's where I am. I'm actually in Topanga in L.A., so I'm a little outside. But it doesn't matter. We spent the last year in Mexico, and my entire, like, I absolutely hear you, nervous system, everything just sort of chilled out. 
Yeah. And that part of, you know, the work that we're constantly in and like just being, or even just the inner work is so important. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you're there and kind of bringing that medicine with us today. Um, are there any animals or plants that you have been connecting to recently? And what do you think they might be telling you? Two things come up for me. Three, three. The first is that I, I live with a bunny. I'm looking at her right now. Aww. Um, Cute. And her name is Gora. Yeah, and she is... She is such an alien. <laughs> and we've we've been cohabitating for a year and a half. She's prepared me for a lot of things, but her primary teaching so far in my life is about true consent mm-hmm. and the radical shift in my consciousness around what consensual relationship really looks like. Um she's taught me of course, how to be in relationship with her. But that experience is changing the way I think about all relationships, both in my life, but also globally. It's like the so much of what I think is causing harm in the world mm-hmm. begins in a relationship where there is a lack of consent that isn't acknowledged or recognized. So... We could talk more about that. That's that's her big teaching to me. Wow. Continuously. It's just like constant, constant demand for me to continue to be present to what does this relationship want to look like as opposed to what do I want in this relationship? Very, very different teaching. The second thing that came up is the scorpion. And the scorpion is showing up new in my life because we're in Sedona and they are occasionally in our bedroom. And my first reaction is to just feel like terrorized. These are creatures that I was frightened of when I was like three, you know, never actually interacted with them very much. And every time that we've seen them, we're, we're extreme pacifists over here. So we're like, you know, my husband will like, get a shoebox to put the scorpion in and then yeah. drive it a mile away and release it into the wild. It's like there's no no killing of these guys for us. Um but it's it's it feels like this 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 side by side medicine of like wake the fuck up. You are not this is not all about you. <laughs> Like, there are other creatures here that have their own agendas. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, recognizing that every time... There's there's been something very mystical about it. Like, that we're... It's like I'm... I think the first time that it happened, I felt that there was someone in the house. And I was like, Shri... That's my husband's name. I was like, there's something going on. Like, someone's in the house. There's... Something needs attention turn on all the lights nobody's here okay fine and then like seconds after we got back in bed oh there's a scorpion on the floor (laughs) and so it was like okay okay there's communication happening here this is not I'm not imagining things this presence wants to be known Mm. so 
I feel very much still in the learning. I saw another one last night and was like, oh my God, it's so hard for me to not flip my shit. I want to just, you know, like freak out. And it's, it's, I feel the call to really be just present and listening Mm. and to resist the temptation to go into that fear reaction, which actually is largely unnecessary. It's like, there's not, nothing's going to happen. Um, so medicine is really potent. Yeah. So I can imagine there it's such a deep, like, I mean, if you think about the way that they have this protection, the way they, they will basically attack any of their prey or their, um, someone who's in the way of their energy field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's, that's sort of like what this last couple weeks have felt kind of in the collective almost like boundaries, putting your, you know, like wanting to really have protection and Mm. it's a deep, it's like a deep internal wise going within Mm. medicine that I often like feel like from the scorpion. And it reminds me of this, like the Scorpio energy of, you know, the, the astrological signs. And I mean, those types of signs are so intense. Mm. So I can only imagine what you are processing. Mm-hmm. The beauty of, of, of having the basic foundation of like living and leading a spiritual life and seeing the world through that lens is that you can take something from that and really be taught versus, mm-hmm. you know, being scared and having that reaction. So I think that's lovely. And thank you for bringing that medicine on the show today. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is all so outside of the work that you do, but I know that the work that all that we do is, you know, not just who we are in our beingness. So you have kind of led this incredible life and, and really a tr- you're an example of a transition, of a transformation of someone who went from A to B as a a teacher to now a coach teaching others, which is still teaching really, just a different form of it, um, to really teaching others to create an impact in the world through wealth building. Mm. And, you know, I think that's really fascinating because I was just mentioning to you, this conversation has been circulating and like permeating in my field. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, yes, you know, let's go there. Let's Let's just see where it takes us because money and spirituality and all of this, it's a very, I think, very sticky sometimes and confusing. So I'm curious, you know, what led you to leaving your years, 12 years of teaching math in New York City through public schools to becoming a master sales and success success coach i almost said sex hey <laughs> very connected you know and i'm not at that right yes. uh so, yeah maybe that's where you're going i'm just kidding um <laughs> to really helping people you know create their own businesses where they can thrive as well um there's many versions of this story but the one that once to be spoken aloud with you at least to start is that the through line has actually been the same the whole time um when I was a teacher I was wanting work that felt 
of service, Mm -hmm. like a true contribution, and that addressed issues of privilege and injustice. I wanted to have an impact. I wanted to, to do work where I would be deeply connected to other humans and helping. I wanted to do work that was moving the needle around the disenfranchisement that I witnessed in the world. And at the time, I, w- I was teaching primarily students of color in very low-income households. So the work that I was doing, the form of it was also fascinating. I mean, it's really, teenagers are fascinating. Studying how they learn and unpack patterns in an algebra class, for me at least, was fascinating. Um, So it was very, I was very satisfied by the challenge of it and I felt that it was important work to be doing. After those 12 years, kind of progressively over time, I became increasingly disillusioned with my ability to change the system of school. And, and that disillusionment came because I, like over the course of those 12 years, I became increasingly both good at what I was doing, but also positioned like in my last five years, I was actually coaching math teachers. I was I was in schools every day, all day, but I was not in my own classroom. I was coaching other teachers. And I, my explicit job was to change what it meant to be in school mm-hmm. through these math classrooms. So it was like, really, at least theoretically, I had the lever to move the needle in a way that would actually make systemic change. And over the course of those five years, I just saw every, every step of progress that we made was undermined by the system that had hired us to make the change. And it was painful and frustrating and, and, and in a powerful way, and I would say in a good way, kind of just didn't feel correct. It was like, this cannot actually be the way I'm supposed to be using my energy. Mm. I'm too powerful. I have too much to do in this world. This can't possibly be like representative. And I think that actually part of the crucial turning point was interestingly around a shift in my self-esteem. I think I always felt relatively good at what I was doing. But anytime I looked at something like that, like, school isn't really changing or these kids aren't really learning what I need them to or what they need to learn or the class system isn't changing, you know? I could always point to myself. I could always kind of look at, well, I'm not good yet at this thing or I haven't figured out how to do this thing yet or it's on me. And there was just something that shifted at that point in my career that was like, I'll always get better. It's not that I'm perfect, but that's not the main issue. It's something else. And I think that when that shifted, I was like, okay, I need to find another, another arena to work in because this, yeah. is, this is not satisfying. Yeah. So then long story short or shorter, fast forwarding, I don't think I knew at the time how connected the, my business would be to my initial desire as a teacher. But now I'm like, the same thing, y'all. 
<laughs> like I was explicitly working as a teacher to dismantle the cycle of poverty. I'm doing the same thing now. Wow. I've just am using a different lever. And part of why it's working now, and this part is really juicy, is because when I was a teacher, I was middle class and I had grown up middle class. I had always had the privilege of a white middle class person. And I had never actually changed anything about my relationship to money, class, or privilege. When I started this business, I went from not having a business to building a seven-figure business in two years. I changed my class during that time. And now I live, you know, we just bought a $3 million house in Sedona. We had not been planning to buy a house. Like, we just, we know how to move money in a way that allows us to do that. It's a very different lifestyle than what I was positioned to have from my family of origin. And so I know how to change class now. Mm. I couldn't teach my students how to be middle class because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't do anything to become middle class. But now as a coach, I can teach spiritual teachers and healers how to change their relationship to money, how to change their class because I've, I've done it. It's a skill. It's a, it's a technique. It's a practical thing. And anyone can do it, but most people don't. And so it's a little bit of a mystical, esoteric knowledge because people do not do this as a matter of course. Mm, that's really powerful. Mm. I love that you say that you're like changing class in a way that you can actually create change. And I don't think that's to discredit. I'm sure that the people and the students that you had as teenagers, like they were there, they're going to remember you in some way the way that you could show up but in today's world you know this is like the call of when that phone rings you got to pick it up you got that calling it's time for you to step up and really have a bigger voice because you know I I often see and this is the conversation that's circulating in my circles right now is being a spiritual being on a spiritual path I mean sometimes I like to take the word spiritual out because it's I do believe like we're spiritual already we're here being human beings Mm -hmm. however we're attracted to certain things we look at our trauma our triggers we have this other way of seeing the world through the lens that there's deeper than the surface so in that container the conversation around money like my story around money in my past was always money's the root of all evil Mm. I can't really change any thing with money because money shouldn't exist right and that was that's like a very old hippie kind of Mm -hmm. mindset and so with those the people who have like we're in everybody listening in your circle that come attracted to you to work with you and have that sort of commonality around struggling to make millions or have a business that really makes an impact you know that's like like breaking through that is this whole thing that I think what you're saying is like most people don't do yeah it's amazing listening to you because I I'm making a connection that 
has been it's like these two pieces have been floating around next to each other the whole time but I don't think I've quite put it together before um that the the challenges around money which are pretty universal it's pretty embedded in our culture to to struggle around money um that that that's hardwired the connection to an addiction or an attachment to struggle yes forget money yes it's just that money is like what what easier tool could you use to make your life hard <laughs> it's it's so accessible um so popular and i think that that's actually so much of what i work with with my clients is about prioritizing or choosing ease and renouncing struggle in the domain of money but it's it's almost like like at least in my world i don't i don't think people can make more money really by working harder maybe there's maybe some people if they're like really not working and then they start to work then there's some some little amount of movement that can happen there but most of us work our asses off there's not a lot of room for leveraging our workload so so that it can't happen that way it has to happen and particularly when you're talking about exponential change in our money relationship has to happen through ease and that is very uncomfortable for people it sounds so good like it's like yeah yeah we all want to be on a beach drinking mai tais feet up getting massage whatever whatever sort of stereotype of ease we have in our mind but the fact is that day-to-day moment to moment people gravitate towards struggle they gravitate towards what's hard and it's very like tongue twisting kind of transformation to choose ease instead and i think confronting like people feel all their all their self-worth stuff comes up around it it's like if if i don't work really hard for this then does it matter it's a big deal so i appreciate that that reflection there was something about the way you said it that made those pieces just like ah yes (laughs) well that's i i i think that's sort of the root of what i've experienced and from what i hear those that are going through this really wanting to change really wanting desiring changing the story making a lot more money maybe not even making a lot of money maybe it's just having basic needs met and being able to create something that does leave a legacy or has a lasting impact and i think that that how to like getting beyond that old story because like you said like systematically we weren't taught money not not a lot of us unless we were maybe raised in a family where there was a lot of money but even then I see a lack of understanding on how money is even made or exchanged and we're kind of at this breaking point of new paradigm where we're realizing first of all we are women we identify as women and so with that even being said you know women have had a history of not being able to make the amount of money that women are making today not that long ago so as we're in this like change and new paradigm of money and growth and economic growth and how that's going to impact us as individuals and as a community and 
and as a collective, I really, I'm curious, you know, like what do you see as that stepping stone? Like how do we really step into that if you were to kind of paint the the story for us to walk up those steps? <laughs> you know, like... Well, it's powerful hearing you talk about the, the gender piece because, um, of course, you're, there is that pattern and also the, the sort of financial education piece that, that was also striking because, because you're, you're told, I mean, I was a math teacher. I know exactly what's taught and not taught in most math curriculum and money is often left out completely and if there is a financial literacy class, it's, it's very um, limited it's just it's not it's not that practical um none of that however talks about true agency around money so traditional financial literacy is powerful and I, i'm not knocking it i think it's really useful but it's not what i teach it's it's got nothing to do with what i'm doing really truly um because what i'm doing teaching talking about is really about locating in ourselves what we feel called to do, what we feel desire to do, understanding what the financial component of that looks like, and then knowing that we can create that, regardless of if we've ever made money like that before, spent money like that before, charged money like that before. That's the part that I think is so revolutionary. And like, frankly, it's, it's more like the work of activism or art making than it is uh, something that would be discussed on Wall Street like or in a math classroom it's it's, it's like a very spiritual sp- spiritual creative and an activist conversation more than math or financial conversation even though it's about money because it's because it's about our personal power and it's it's Number one, it's not difficult to make money. Kind of to my previous point, it can't be. You know, the billionaires of the world are not working millions of times harder than the rest of us. That's not what's happening. Mm. Um, So it's not hard. It is uncomfortable because it, it reaches the, it touches the core of whatever issues we have around belonging and abandonment. And it's not going to happen unless we make the decision that it matters to us. So we really have to be quite passionate about it in order for it to happen. We won't realize it by accident. Mm. And so, so I actually think there's the, the piece about, I hear you talking about movement. Like there's a movement of women who are clear it's time. It's time for be for us to be making big money because we want to be at the table where big decisions are being made. Because we yeah. want to be having global impact. And money is a is is not the only important piece of that, but it's a it's a very important through line. It cannot be a blind spot. We we got to have our eyes wide open around that. Um and and I think that actually the movement really helps us 
gather the momentum and the courage to put our stake in the ground next to this vision that is often hard for people to claim just from selfish reasons. I have no problem with, like, you can want to make multiple millions of dollars just because you want to. That's great too. But most people really struggle to, like, especially in the spiritual community, to claim that selfish reason and use that as their sole momentum, their sole yeah. fuel supply. Exactly. Whereas the, <laughs> the, the kind of mission or the movement of what changes in the world when women are universally empowered around money when black women are universally empowered like that is a very different world than the one we live in Mm. and that I think then that can kind of get people excited to get passionate about it because they see what's possible not only for themselves but for the world when when our collective relationship to money shifts yeah you touched on some really amazing things I was kind of covered in chills and one of them when you said you know it it relates to our when we when we step into the space of doing that work it it really gets us into that space of belonging and abandonment and for me that's literally been my journey you know that's Mm. literally been what I get to look at every time I'm ready to step up rise up be at the seat of the table be a woman who can have a voice and make true impact Mm. impact in the world and systematic change and and act and I do think that money is related to activism did my story used to think that way no absolutely not you know it was more so let's eradicate it and it shouldn't exist and like I said before and I think that that's a big part of what prevents us from being at the seat of the table because when we and we're you know sort of being gender specific here but I do really believe that you know, we we do live in a masculine-dominated world. That is shifting. The movement is that it it has been shifting for, you know, decades upon decades. There's been many women at the forefront paving the way. And so what I think is bigger than that is that all voices get to be heard and at the seat at the table. And as we all understand that sense and what it's rooting from and why we are feeling discomfort. I used to not even be able to talk about money. So even having Mm. podcasts and all that, you know, it's like, yes, that's something we're getting somewhere. And, and now I'm teaching about like feng shui and wealth building. And I'm like, whoa, like (laughs) here I am like, but we can do it. And Mm. like you said, you know, I'm not, I'm nowhere near where I know I get to be, but for like anybody that's sort of on that same page and they're ready to, do that work and understand where they are with that sense of belonging and abandonment, where would you guide them? So the first thing is, is simply to let yourself want what you want. Mm. And when it comes to money, I think it's really, it can be so vulnerable, but it's so important to choose numbers and let them be like lovers. Like it's not just arbitrary. You know, you it's like what what is the number that wants to move through you? And let that number talk to you and teach you and recalibrate your nervous system to what what is what is that number calling you for in the first place? So especially in this community, like y'all know. <laughs> y'all are intuitive, you're tapped in, you know what numbers are coming to you, like trust them listen to them especially if they freak you out 
Yes. You kind of you kind of want a number that's going to freak you out a little bit. That's that's how you know you're growing. And and the key here there's two keys. One is to do this first. Like stop thinking about how much you can make. Like stop don't be realistic for this. Drop the how for now. That's one. And two is to like really let your desire guide you. And again, it can be your desire. It can also be the desire of your mission, right? Your mission might want way more money than you personally are connected to. That's fine. Um, so that's the first piece. Once you have the number, $20,000 a month, $200,000 a month, whatever it is, then, then you get into relationship with that number. Let that number guide you. Be one of the elders at your conference table, you know, the, the table of your team, your board of directors. Let the number explain to you how it's meant to come through. And the challenge in this second step is really about faith and the willingness to continue listening to that guidance and and not pay too much attention to the skepticism, right? There, we all have that. That's normal. This is my blood sugar telling me. Make sure your body's okay. Anytime this goes off, I'm like, everybody just do body check. How's your body right now? <laughs> Make sure you're doing good. You got, you got the uh, the alarm for us all. Yeah, yeah. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Where are we all at? Well, we're, I mean, I feel like when, when we talk about stuff like this, too, it like gets, yeah. gets moving. You know when it's your passion and it's your what you're here to serve and sometimes yeah. the body can can react <laughs> <laughs> yes yes well and some people might be feeling nauseous as we're talking about this that's a common reaction mm -hmm. so just to you know take a moment to soothe and and take care of yourself <sighs> yeah deep breaths <sighs> so there's there's in step two it's like really giving a lot of faith let letting faith be a permeating element of this experience, um, because otherwise you won't you won't actually take the guidance. You might not even hear the guidance. You really it, and this is this is the I would say this is mindset work. This is personal healing work. This is the part that's like quote hard for people is to just create enough internal space to receive. And believe in the vision that's being gifted to them. Mm. Particularly when it's much bigger than anything that they can fully wrap their heads around. It's like, yeah, yeah, stop trying to wrap your head around it. You know how to do that. <laughs> you know how to do that when it comes to scorpions and meditation and psychedelics <laughs> and all these other things. Like, just let money be another one of these uh, guides. Then once you've done those two things, then you can start to get a little bit more concrete about strategy. And I like to call this doing the math, just like hashtag do the math. When I say do the math, I mean like arithmetic, super, super simple multiplication division. Think about how many people you wanna serve, how you wanna serve them. I like to keep things really simple. So even if you're, you actually have a large menu of things that you offer, just for the purpose of this number, imagine that you just have one thing, one coaching program or one retreat or one product 
one pair of shoes, one thing that you're selling and divide your goal by the number that you really would desire to offer your service to. And whatever that is, let that be the price, period. And, and, and again, then that price becomes uh, another acupuncture needle on your ecosystem to help you recalibrate and live into this new version of yourself. Again, the hard part in this step three is, is not letting your naysayer cut you down. I'm telling you right now, there's nothing you can tell me that will convince me that you can't sell whatever it is that you have in mind to as many people as you just articulated for yourself at the price that makes sense to get you the result. I've seen, I've, I've seen incredible things. I've done incredible things. There's nothing that is impossible in this arena. Absolutely. I mean, it's a good reminder too, because that voice that gets really loud inside is usually the one that will lead us in the other direction. And when we're, when we're conscious of that, I think that's when things for me, at least that that's when I notice I'm like, Oh, there's a, there's a, like a, um, a block here. I don't even like to really use the term block, but I feel like it's a, a barrier of this is now uncomfortable. So I'm going to lean in even further. I'm pretty much, a I'm really big on getting out of your discomfort zones because whenever there's fear, whenever there's discomfort, whenever there's something that you've got to lean into that feels unfamiliar, that's, there's something on the other side of it every single time. Well, hello, Earthlings. I am briefly going to be interrupting this interview with a broadcast that we have from my lovely wingwoman, Jules Rector. Jules has been an incredible support through my company, Clarity, where we make zero-waste, all-natural cleaning products, and we've been brainstorming and getting creative on ways that she can also express her budding gifts as a newscast anchor. She has been doing Positive Earth News series for us over at Clarity, and we thought, hey, why don't we bring you over to the podcast and share some really good things that are happening on Earth. So I want to introduce you to my wingwoman, Jules Rector. She's going to give you and serve you up some good Positive Earth News for today. Thanks, Nixie. We're celebrating the new year with some environmental wins from 2021. The U.S. gained its first Indigenous Interior Secretary. Secretary Deb Holland was sworn into the Department Interior in March and is focused on public and tribal lands. The company behind the Keystone Pipeline finally gave up, canceling its plans to build the massive crude oil pipeline. And Shell was ordered to cut its gas emissions by 45% from 2019 levels by 2030. They then pulled out of plans to develop the Cambo oil field in Scotland. Honolulu and Jamaica have banned single-use plastics and 170 nations pledged to significantly reduce use of plastic by 2030. These wins are just a few from last year, and we're hoping for more in 2022. Back to you, Nixie, with a way we can reduce our own use of plastic. Today's podcast is brought to you by Clarity, the complete non-toxic, zero-waste, all-natural home cleaning solution, co-founded and created by yours truly. 
Clarity naturally cleans your home without using harmful chemicals, protects the environment with zero waste packaging, is convenient and cost saving by delivering concentrates directly to your door, and best of all, it makes cleaning fun. It's simple and affordable to bring Clarity to your home. Grab one of our zero waste home cleaning kits to get you started or the ready to go all purpose bottle and you have everything you need to remove toxic chemicals and plastics from your cleaning ritual. Sign up for a subscription to receive our concentrate refills and you have everything you need without a trip to the grocery store. Simply visit Clarity, that's spelled C-L-A-R-Y-T-I, Dot com and use the promo code ECOTRIBE for your exclusive 10% off discount. Thank you so much for being part of this New Earth community and making our world a greener place. What's interesting, and I want to touch on this too, is like I've heard because of what the, the world that we're in right now, there's been a lot of ups and down roller coasters with people who are business owners. They've, you know, even myself included, um, who've seen success and then have had these hardships and now rebuilding. And uh, some of my friends that have had these big wins, like course out, like all these big wins and people that I've been speaking to, again, this is like the same conversation in the ethers right now is like, what, what do you what what do you have to say for someone who's like not in that consistency and it's and they want even more than what they created before and then kind of what comes when you come back down because life sometimes brings you up and down how to not crash and instead keep leveling even higher yeah it's interesting um i i just created a TED talk about using adversity as a catalyst for personal agency. You can, you can find it on TED.com. I'm very proud and honored that they chose to put my talk on TED.com and uh, just search Jesse Johnson. You'll find it. Um, so that's, that's actually a really very foundational premise. I would recommend that to anybody to just watch that 16 minute talk. Um, and it goes back to actually the scorpions, what you were saying about the scorpions, that, that as spiritual people, as consciousness practitioners, I think we are really well positioned to use everything to go deeper. So we, we know how to observe, right? Like Vipassana style. Or be taken again on like a psychedelic trip that we have no control. Like we just have a lot of resilience around dealing with a lot of different kinds of contrast or adversity or challenge or crash. I think that it's a it's a unique blind spot in the spiritual community. The way that we crash around money is is actually different I think than the way like the same people who would be like just beasts when when shit hits the fan in some other context because of their spiritual practice when it comes to money it's like they just tank and again I think it it goes back to that like core abandonment wound I think that somehow when we when we feel that our money 
is not somehow loyal. It's not staying with us. It's betraying us. It's cheating on us. It's just leaving us for some other lover, you know, that we just feel that in our gut and collapse. Um, But that's not representative of our capacity. We, We know. We know how to be resilient. We know how to be resourceful. And when... When COVID, when when LA locked down, I was scheduled to do a two-day in-person retreat, and I think it was a set, we were going to do the retreat on Saturday, Sunday, and Thursday. We we could we like realized that this whole COVID thing yeah. was not just somewhere else in the world. It was like we were gonna we were gonna bring all these people to LA, and then they were gonna be stuck there. And so we, within six hours, shifted the event from in-person to virtual. There were some people who were pissed. There were some people who were able to come that hadn't planned to come. We did the event and it was the beginning of a new paradigm of working. We were already working on Zoom, but like much, much more frequently, virtually. And we made more in 2020 than we've ever made and just continued going up. And I... I don't say, I like feel protective. Like I want y'all to use this to feel inspired and empowered, not don't, I'm not rubbing anybody's face in it, but to understand that this very spiritually based business who was not at all prepared for a complete change in the world economy or the world structure was successfully able to double our revenue. And if we can do that, anybody can do that. So then the question is like, well, what do you want to do? And that goes back to the three steps I just talked about. It's like, come back to your vision. Do you want to use this time to regroup, shut down your business, close your doors, establish something new? There's some people who would love to do that. Great. Use COVID as an excuse. It's a great time. But if what you want is to double your revenue and this has no impact, then you can do that. And I and many other people can help you. If you want to 10x your revenue in the next month, you can do that. In fact, most of the people that hire me, that's how they do it. It's, they, they go incredibly quickly, exponentially, to a new level. So I, your question was how? And again, I think the first step is like really owning what is it that you desire? This is up to you. This is not an this is not a mystery. You don't have to wait for some divine unearthly intelligence to correct your timing. Right? Like I think that that's one of the tricky cop-outs of our spiritual community is that we we trust so much in the divine that if something doesn't work out, we're like, "Oh, it must not be meant to be." Exactly. It's like, well, Really? You're, you're a conscious collaborator in this relationship also. It's not just like happening to you. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want, y'all? What do you want to create? Because I'm telling you right now, this world has some fucking needs right now. This world needs more of our service, not less. This world needs more consciousness, not less. This world needs more... personal agency, personal empowerment, not less. This world is primed for a radical change in how money is used. 
be a part of it. Like, fucking get in here with me. I don't want to do this alone. I can't do this alone. I'll take damage. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a hotel, all that. I mean, it's it's every everything you're saying, like, nail on the head. I, I've felt it. I've heard it. And I think that was this, like, intention of when I felt your energy coming on. I'm like, let's let's put this new opportunity for everybody to really feel incredibly uplifted and including myself I mean because we're all we all show up for you know I think each other and each other's mirrors and exactly like creating this this new earth this is what we talk about here because we get to create this new economy like what you're saying you know Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're laying down that foundation. And, and a part of that is like really getting uncomfortable in the conversation. You know, if you, like you, you just literally brought out what do you want? That's something that I've been really like, I've got a lot of personal opportunities right now that mm-hmm. I'm blessed with. And I think a lot of people are feeling that way with all these different like timelines that we could live out. And so when we really mm. get clear of like what we want, it was just a reminder to me is just to get get clear. What do I want? And what do what do you yeah. want listening? Like what do you want? What is that movie? It's like what do you want? I'm trying to remember this movie. Oh, it's the notebook. The notebook when he's just like shaking her, he's like, What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> This is like coming up as you're, as you're saying that. And it. it's like we need our own, we need to like shake ourselves and really ask ourselves because, you know, we are at a very interesting, like I see so much opportunity as a collective evolution of humanity, period. And yes. how do you think we're going to get there? You know? It's not going to no? happen on its own, y'all. I think that's, that's, it's, you know. It's funny, I don't think I've ever quoted this this anywhere, but that be the change quote of Gandhi. It's so yeah, true. Yeah. And I'll just a personal story about this. Like um I when I went to college over 20 years ago, I was initiated into the reality of racial injustice. I like truly had not recognized it even though I grew up in a very segregated Uh, Western North Carolina town. I had no idea that the civil rights movement had not been effective. Like, I just thought it was over, you know? And then I went to college and was like, oh, 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 God. (laughs) This this situation is terrible. How did did I miss this? Anyway, huge catalyst for why I went into the work that I went into at that time. And actually, just a little side note, like why I didn't want to make money in the beginning because I already had so much privilege. I was like, I don't want to add any further privilege to this. Anyway, I, I'm saying that because I was not a total dodo about racial injustice, white privilege. I had done, I thought, a good deal of training. But when George Floyd was murdered, it was like something, I, just another big smack in the face. Like, I have not been paying attention to this mm-hmm. properly. And the work for me shifted so much. And I think it's largely because of my spiritual practice and my sense of personal empowerment that I was able to actually look more closely at how I contribute 
How I contribute. I'm married to a black man. How do I contribute to the systemic racism that's currently operating in our society? Where does my white privilege blind me? What am I not seeing? And I feel like, as a result, two things. One, I feel like our personal work around race in particular at this juncture in time is one of the most spiritual things we can do. It's such a confronting, demanding, revealing mirror for us, all people, not just white people. But also, it's such a potent experiential example of this truth that like when I change how I'm showing up, when I choose to use my consciousness to look at the places where I go unconscious, I see how that changes the world. The world, not just my marriage, not just my relationship with the kid that's growing in my belly right now, who's not gonna be white, not just in my small community of clients and colleagues. I see that rippling out more potently than any like freaking petition I've ever signed or anything like that. It's like the, the raising of the standard, truly, truly raising the standard for ourselves makes an enormous difference in the world. And I don't think we can do it any other way. Maybe that's an even more true thing to say, is that if we're not deeply, actively doing the work, whatever that work is for us, it's not going to change. It's the same thing as me teaching high school in New York City, trying to help these kids change their class when I didn't know how the hell to do that. I hadn't done it. So, yeah, I think that the, the local work that all of us spiritual practitioners are so geeky about anyway. It's so powerful. And the opportunity that I think we're talking about in general is to look at the places that we tend to want to avoid. Like, let me just connect with God and feel the bliss of that oneness. And I don't don't necessarily need to look at that other thing. Money. Money will take care of itself. God's got me. It's like, God's got you for sure. So why not look at money more? God's got you for sure. So go go after whatever parts of yourself you, you don't really feel that clear about, don't feel that comfortable with. That is what will change the world. That is what will build a new economy. That is what will, that will position our movement. I love this, like, NU economy. This is N-E-W for me today. <laughs> the, the new economy. Like, we, we, get, we get to do that, y'all. We get to. There's no one better to do it. I'm here for it. <laughs> yes. I mean the everything you just touched on is what I think that that can that that opportunity that I I spoke on earlier is is what is possible. And something you just said too mm. for me kind of just clicked where instead of seeing money as like the root of all evil seeing it as the creator of god or goddess like being a a source of creation and really that is what it is and so that that opportunity to sort of shift for anyone who has had that story to Mm -hmm. feel that way you know i'm I'm reading conversations with god and in that book have you Mm -hmm. read that book 
Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's Years a good ago. one. It's sort of found me now, and really you know, I, th- I think at the root of what I'm I'm feeling and what I'm hearing from you is that we are master creators, and mm. with mm. the tool of money, we can then create a new economy, a new opportunity for those to really experience like abundance for all. Amen. For all. I love that as like the key word there. Here I am. Okay, good. Oh, shut up. lights changing on us. We got yeah. rainbows today. We've got light. We've got all these these beautiful uh-huh. beings with us. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love that you just brought that in, Nixie. It's like the the Yeah, hashtag for all. So so inspiring. That's that's what I'm about, right? Where the, because the patriarchy and white supremacy, and not to, I'm not even trying to go super political, but just naming this thing that you were talking about earlier, like the reality of the the money paradigm that we come from, has been very toxic because it's based on the idea that you have to choose, well, that there are haves and have-nots, and at best you get to choose which one to be. But if you choose to be a have, it's coming at the expense of one of the have-nots or 10 of the have-nots or a billion of the have-nots. You know, it's like there's a really dysfunctional paradigm there. And so I think it's also really powerful that as we're thinking about how we make money and what we want to do with it in the world, that that hashtag for all is embedded. That It's like, no, no, we're not... Spiritual people, we believe in generally oneness, you know? We cannot possibly say yes to a paradigm of making wealth at someone else's expense. That cannot be what it's about. And what a beautiful new paradigm to create. So <laughs> the image that just came to mind was like field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Like this, it's like we, we got to start with the vision. We've said that six times on this podcast. And it's got to be big. It's got for the movement, for the for the globe. It's got to be big, and then we each have our 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 lever, our trowel, our shovel, our tool, our service that we use to bring in to contribute to that. And I feel it when I started this business. I didn't know anyone who was both spiritual and wealthy or who knew anyone who was both spiritual and wealthy. Everyone in my spiritual community was broke. (laughs) Everyone. And I didn't know anyone who was a spiritual coach making money. Now, that's a huge, hundreds of them on Instagram I see every day. Sometimes it's annoying, people complain about it, but it's an amazing feat. Like the spiritual community is rebranding. The spiritual community is changing class. Not everybody yet, right? We're still working on it, but this is close. It's close. Get on in here. Well, I, I think too with that, you know, at first it's uncomfortable because like you said, it's the new class. It's like you're stepping up. When I would see it, my immediate re- response would be judgment and I would unfollow people because I'm like, mm-hmm. how could they be spiritual and materialistic you know and that's Mm -hmm. quite honestly what I thought for a very long time in my early 20s well 
I would say my late 20s. And that was really mm-hmm. just a reflection and a mirror for where I was at with my relationship with money. I wasn't there yet mm-hmm. to be able to see both and. And for some reason, spirituality, we've got this, this like, you have to look a certain way, be a certain way, talk a certain way, wear your mandala beads, and all of a sudden you equal spirituality. I think that's a very Western, like, new agey thing that came in, and, and it was actually quite toxic, at least for me and, and, and a lot of people that kind of puts us into this dogmatic corner. But mm-hmm. that's so far from what it really, re- really means because, you know, I was in, I was traveling in Thailand and I would see these monks and they're sitting out there smoking a cigarette and just, you know, they're just with the happiest smiles on their faces. And, you know, you put, you put that in a perspective of like Los Angeles and people are judging like crazy. Like, how could you be spiritual and a guru if you're smoking a cigarette, you know, and yet you go out to Peru and they're working with tobacco and, and, you know, and it's just the judgment mm-hmm. of that is what separates us more and more. And so Mm -hmm. I love that you kind of brought that in that we're, we're Mm -hmm. upgrading our class, you know, and, and it's like being on an airplane, you know, like let's get into first class with everyone else because why the fuck not at this point, you know? And, and I don't think that, you know, and let's be honest, we're coming from like a more humble perspective than I would have had I not gone through my spiritual awakening evolution and all these things, because I understand Mm. what humbleness feels like because Mm. I put my hands on the earth and I, you know, bow to goddess or my creator or higher self. And I understand what it feels like to put my hands on the ground. And there's a lot of disassociation Mm -hmm. with the billionaires of our world who are not putting their hands on the ground. So why can't we also be part of that and show everybody what it means like to look like a humble leader that is also wealthy? That's what's coming through right now. It's really important. It's really important. Beautiful hearing you say that. I just, I want to throw in there that for me, the spiritual like moment was putting my head on the ground and uh and just coming full circle to your initial question like how do you connect to the land and the idea that that is the same question or the same answer to that the answer to that question is the same answer to the question how do you connect to god it's like touch the earth (laughs) y'all And I, I think it's a beautiful synergy to the other piece of what you were just saying about understanding our true nature as both spiritual and material and, and being a little at minimum curious and at most skeptical about the separation of those two things. Like we are those two things. How do you separate them? What does it look like to be a soul in a body on this planet? You called us earthlings at the beginning. What does it look like to be an earthling? It means both connecting to God or spirit or source or goddess and connecting to earth. These are non-different. They feel different. That's the whole thing with these material forms that we experience. Everything is separate. But our spiritual understanding teaches us something deeper. Well, well, I think we went to church today. 
So that I think is a beautiful way to wrap up this beautiful conversation. And, uh, you know, I really, I know that this is going to bring a lot of value to everybody that listens because it's like we created this energy of like a, like you said, movement, but it's like this, I can feel this this sort of like push forward and this like whoever walks like mm. a line like let's put a line in the sand like it's time mm. to walk over that line and let this message be your initiation your opportunity because I'm I'm gonna go there Jesse's been there she's doing it she's guiding us she's also like that's the like kind of no bullshit I get from mm. you it's just like mm. let's do this join me over here let's cross the line I love it's that time. so much. Yeah. Oh, thank what a you. Treat, Nixie. Thank you, Jesse. This has been yeah. amazing. Couple more right, questions great. before we say our goodbyes. I feel like we could just go for a long time. So, uh, where can everybody find you and travel with you mm-hmm. and cross the line with you? Because I know there's going to be several here that would love to learn more about. You know, maybe working with you, maybe they're ready. Yeah, yeah, of course. Instagram, Jesse Johnson Coaching. YouTube, Jesse Johnson Coaching. Those are the places where we're pro- like just sharing free content all the time. I think it, there's it's a no-brainer. Everybody should be. If, the, if you're still listening, <laughs> you should definitely be following me on both those platforms. If you're interested in going deeper, Um, my website is jessiejohnsoncoaching.com and we're also going to give you uh, the energetic of sales training which is a really very spiritual sales training uh, for free for anyone who's an Mm. audience member here Um, and I encourage everybody to listen to that even if you're not currently running a business just to like let it recalibrate your concepts of what business and sales can look like for spiritual folks so those are those are four different spots for you. Go go where you feel called. Mm, I love that. I'm in. I love reprogramming any level of, you know, what sales looks. I mean, oh, there's a lot of like, you know, concept and dirtiness around sales. I love sales. Sales, sales is so my favorite I love spiritual that you're practice. Kind of yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Well, maybe maybe we'll have you on again, and we'll get into Great. sales as a spiritual practice. My favorite subject. <laughs> well, we touched on it a bit here already, but I want to really hone in on what is like if you could get actually imaginative, mm. creative, however you want to answer this. Tapping into the vision for a new earth, what does that look like to you? A world where we are not choosing between us and them where we know that our choices are definitively in service to all, where we aren't choosing between contributing and receiving, again, where those things are coming in balance, and where we all know our, the truth of our personal agency, which is that we can do anything we want to. And that doesn't, I'm not trivializing the discomfort or real challenge of that. But that no matter what the discomfort, no matter what the challenge, it does not change the fundamental truth that we came here to create, we came here to contribute, we came here to receive, and we can, if the vision is here for us, it's because it wants to be in the world. 
We wouldn't have the dream otherwise. We wouldn't have the vision otherwise. We wouldn't have the desire otherwise. So, you know, imagine that. Imagine a world where everyone is contributing in the way they feel called to and being compensated at the level that matches what they desire and positions them to continue to create. That's the world I want to build. That's the world I'm building. Yes, you are. I can I see it, I feel it, and we all hold that with you. Thank you again, Jesse, for coming on. This was this really lit my fire and really great way to end this Tuesday or begin. I don't know, wherever anyone's listening. Um, but thank you again for being here and I can't wait to check out more of everything that you've got as offers and follow you and uh, everybody else you guys can find everything about Jesse also in the show notes so please check that out and we will see you all next week as always bye next bye for now bye Jesse hey tribe if you love this episode don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review whenever I get your little love notes it really reminds me why I show up to this every single week and it also helps us grow the show and bring on awesome guests to learn from and expand our network. Please also share this with your beloveds, share it with your friends, and follow us over on Instagram at New Earth Podcast, and that is spelled N-U Earth Podcast. I can't wait to see you over there.